0: Welcome to the Captain Paul Watson Foundation Podcast. I'm your host, Charlie, and I'm joined today with Captain Paul Watson. Captain Paul, how are you?
1: Good. Thank you, Charlie.
0: Great. It's wonderful to speak with you again. Um, I, a lot's happened since the last time we spoke, so I wanted to, to ask you about uh, the new logo, the, the Neptune's Pirates. Where did that come from?
1: Well, we had to get a new logo because we've been compromised uh, on the use of logos and names ever since I was ousted from uh, Sea Shepherd. And uh, I was using Neptune's Navy, which is something that I actually created way back 20 years ago. And, um, you know, Sea Shepherd didn't have any claim to it. So, yeah, I was going to use that. And that's what we used during the summer. But then all of a sudden, Sea Shepherd started producing merchandise with Neptune's Navy stuff on it. And uh, although we had uh, submitted a trademark for it, uh, it hadn't gone through. And so they were taking advantage of it and saying, because I had used that name and similar logo 20 years ago, that it belonged to them. In fact, what they're saying is that everything that I've ever created belongs to them. So rather than fight that, we decided, well, okay, that's get something that's completely new and also something that they will not copy. And what they will not copy is any reference to being a pirate. Hmm. Uh, You know, the Jolly Roger flag that I created for Sea Shepherd, they sell it on their merchandise, but they don't fly it from their ships and they don't use it on campaigns because the governments that they partner with take exception to it and told them they can't do it. So they have a they have a problem with the with the Jolly Roger. We don't, and uh, I think that the pirate image is first of all it's somewhat romantic. Young people like it, and uh, you know it invokes uh, adventure, it invokes uh, passion, courage, but it also pirates get things done. You know, and historically that's been true. Uh, you know, back in the old days when uh, the navies of the world couldn't get anything done. Pirates would do it for them, intervene against the Spanish fleets or intervene against slavery, that kind of thing. And a lot of people say, well, pirates have a bad reputation because they were thieves. But, you know, when you really look at it, they stole gold from the Spanish who had stolen the gold from the Aztecs and the Incas. So, seemed to be not a dishonorable thing at all. Right. But anyway, uh, piracy was way ahead of its time in the 1700s when, uh, you know, there was the first democracies on ships, the first uh, understanding that uh, gender and race were not a, a disqualification for a position on a ship. So, you know, all of those positive attributes of piracy we're going to incorporate. But most importantly is this idea that We have to be aggressive. Now, nonviolently aggressive, and the strategy I developed many years ago was called aggressive nonviolence, but we have to be aggressive, and we have to go in there and stop these illegal activities. And uh, even though they're supported by corrupt governments and big money, uh, you know, the risks have to be taken. And my entire career has been devoted to going against uh, impossible odds uh, against uh, oppositions with a lot of power and a lot of money. And it's only through audacious uh, courage and direct intervention that we've been able to make a difference.
0: So I also wanted to ask you, Paul, about the recent death of Tokate, and, you know, what, what you think about, I guess, the, the whole idea that they were, you know, had a big news conference about trying to relocate Tokute and and, you know, she unfortunately has passed away recently. So What's, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, Tokaté's death was marked from the very day that uh, Eduardo Albor, who owns the Dolphin Company, was no longer allowed to exhibit uh, Tokaté for profit. Uh, now he's stuck with a liability, a liability that's, you know, he has to feed medical care and everything. And it's also in a pool that's falling apart. And uh, he's under a lot of pressure from the governments, both federal and well state and local. And uh, they were they needed to repair that pool and they were given a deadline to do it. I just find it awfully coincidental that the, the, they didn't do any of the repairs. And the day when the deadline uh, happened, the next day Tokatai died. And there was no indication before that that was about to happen, but a very, very convenient. That's all we can really say about that, that it was a very, very huh. convenient. I never thought for a moment that Tokatai would ever be uh, repatriated back to the to the West Coast. Uh, not a single permit was ever applied for nor received. And uh, there's a lot of talk and money was being raised, a lot of money from a lot of people who felt very uh you know, close to Tokatai, and we're sending him money, friends of Tokatai, whatever. And uh, we don't know what happened to that money. I know that uh, uh, Jim Irsay pledged a great deal of money, Prim Singh pledged a million dollars, but yet there were no repairs to the uh, to the pool uh, and no improvement really in her health other than the media releases that they kept putting out. So a lot of promises made, and here's the ironic part about it. The man who owns the biggest archipelago of dolphin prisons in the world, Eduardo Albor, comes off as a saint for wanting to uh, free Tokotai and bring her uh, back to the west coast. Uh, it, it's 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 just hilariously ridiculous that people would look on this guy as a saint for what he's. I think Prudhomme's Singh called him an angel an angel who owns more dolphins in captivity than any other person on the planet. Personally, I thought it was a quite a shameful for sea shepherd, the organization that I created to have for the first time in its history, come out and supported a Marine aquarium and an orca in captivity.
0: Wow. Yeah, that is, that is sickening. And, and obviously, you know, a publicity stunt, um, that, uh, I guess they all reap the benefits of, unfortunately, at the at uh, Tokatai's expense. Um, so but let's, not forget, let,
1: let's not forget that it's not just Tokatai. Kiska, other orcas have died. Many orcas have died this year in captivity. Uh, there are still uh, orcas in captivity, and um, will they ever be released? I don't know. But we got to stop this. We got to stop this illusion that. Um, that something's going to happen because it's not, there's no, there's no motivation on the part of these, um, of these corporations, uh, to, to release these whales.
0: So Paul, I, I wanted to ask you about Lofson and his efforts to try and, uh, start whaling, uh, in around Iceland. Um, do you think he'll be successful and, and where does that stand right now?
1: Christian Lawson is the wealthiest man in Iceland, and he's got a lot of very powerful political connections, especially in the Independence Party of of Iceland. A few hours after our arrival off of uh, Reykjavik, uh, Iceland, uh, on uh, June 19th of this summer, uh, the Fisheries Minister, Minister for Fisheries and Agriculture, imposed a temporary ban on on whaling until the end of August of uh, of, of this year. Uh, and of course we, we, we arrived there, there's nothing we can do now because there's no whaling. I mean, that's a good thing, but it's a bad thing in one way. And that is that uh, Lawson intends to resume whaling uh, on September 1st. Now I don't think he can take many whales because the season's pretty much over and the weather's turning against him. But what he's done in the meantime is uh, gathered together members of the Alping, or the Icelandic parliament, and he's trying to overthrow the government. It's amazing that in this day and age that a government can be overthrown over the issue of whaling. And he wants to get rid of the Minister of Fisheries and Agriculture. And so he's actually bringing in the Green Party, of all things, to support this coalition that he wants to build. to. to resume whaling and on the argument that this is part of our livelihood, part of our culture, although the fact that they're killing endangered whales, endangered fin whales is under illegal under international law. So there's a possibility that uh, in September that uh, the government will fall and that there will be a new government. And if that happens, it can be. certain that this new government is going to support uh, Christian Lofsen and his request for a four-year permit to continue whaling. Mm. So that makes it an absolute priority for us to return. Uh, We're going to have a small crew there on September 1st, but we can't get the ship back in time. But we can make the plans and the preparations to be there next June 2024. To aggressively oppose his uh, his prep, his operations, and we will we will do that. We can do that, and I think we have to really make this into a a very prominent international uh, intervention. And that's that's what we're preparing to do. We have to shut down. Uh, this is the only place in the world where endangered whales are being slaughtered. Mm. It has to be shut down. It's a violation of the International Whaling Commission's uh, moratorium on commercial whaling, and they're endangered. And uh, so this has to be our priority. I've spent my entire life fighting whalers, Norway, Japan, uh, Spain, Chile, Australia. um, And now you know, we've got to finish this job. And that means shutting down Iceland. Then we can concentrate on Norway and on the Danish Faroe Islands and Japan. But right now, the most egregious whaling nation is uh, Iceland. And it's being led by this modern day octogenarian um, <laughs> Captain Ahab, yeah. uh, Christian Thompson, who. Like I said, he's the wealthiest man in Iceland, but he is obsessed with killing whales, and that's the only reason he's doing it. And uh, so, I think we have to we have to do everything we can to shut him down.
0: Yeah, and and so you you mentioned to uh, the Faroe Islands, and uh, I wanted to ask you if if there's any uh, recent developments there, and and maybe you know what the plan was going forward for trying to shut down uh, the grind.
1: Well, the Faroe Islands was not on our agenda for this summer, but when Iceland uh, put the temporary ban in place, we decided since it's only 600 miles away to go over to the Faroe Islands to, to see what we could do. We didn't have many plans or preparations because we, you know, it wasn't something we expected. Although uh, the Captain Paul Watson Foundation UK had a shore crew on on the on the beaches, and uh, we also have people in the Faroe Islands, Faroese people who monitor and document what's happening there. So when we got there, uh, the first grin that was called uh, after our arrival, unfortunately, was three hours from our position. So although you know, we were ordered not to go into Faroese waters, but as soon as I heard a grin was called, we violated that order. We were immediately pursued by uh, the Faroese Coast Guard. And unfortunately, we arrived too late to stop the uh, the killing on the beach at Torshavn, which happened right before hundreds of passengers on a, on a cruise liner, which was got a lot of publicity. And then we went back outside to the twelve mile limit again. And then on the nineteenth of uh, July, another uh, Grinda Dropper, which literally translates into the murder of whales, was called. And uh, once again, we went into Faroese water. This time, pursued by two Faroese Coast Guard boats, which we were able to run. And this time, uh, the pod that was uh, looked like it was going to be earmarked for uh, for killing was able to escape. Now, the problem was that Denmark then leaned on Jamaica to have our flag struck, which forced us to leave Faroese waters. We had to return to the UK by by the 28th of July, or else we wouldn't have a flag. And uh, we were also brought into court, even though we were never given a summons, and we're not actually in court ourselves. But the court then ruled that uh, we had to pay $23,000 in fines for a prohibit for going into various waters without their permission. And every crew member was fined $600 for immigration violations, although nobody actually set foot on shore in, in, in the Faroe Islands. So anyway, we're appealing those and uh, we're going to continue our opposition. I think that, Next year, what we have to do, and going to try and organize at least a a good group of uh, volunteers. I mean, this time, really dedicated volunteers who go in there and actually physically interfere. Mm. Now, they're going to get arrested. They're going to get fined. Just don't pay the fine. And that means they're going to be deported. But let's fill up the the jails of the Faroe Islands pretty small jails, pretty easy to do. Fill them up and show the world that, uh, you know, people's. Hearts are being demonstrated on the beaches in uh, in the Faroe Islands. and I don't think it's asking a lot for people to be temporarily jailed and fined and deported for the crime of compassion. Right. And so that's what we're trying to organize right now is a volunteer cadre of uh, people willing to uh, willing to take those risks and willing to take that action.
0: Good. Well, and hopefully the, the Faroese people will see, to your point, how many people do care and how many people do want to see change and do want to see these pilot whales swimming freely in the ocean.
1: Well, let me say this. When we first went to the Faroes in 1983 through the 80s, 90s and everything, it's been a long, long process. 100% of the people in the Faroe Islands were pro killing whales. Now that's down below 50%. Uh, percent. So we're making progress. And not only are we making progress, we actually have Faroese citizens who are actively opposing the, uh, the killing of these whales. So, you know, thinking these things don't change overnight. Slavery wasn't ended overnight. Civil rights didn't happen overnight. It took decades, hundreds right. of years. Uh, so we always have to be patient on these things. And, uh, You know, we shut down the Canadian seal hunt after 20 years uh, of uh, opposition. The the commercial part of it has been shut down. There's still a small seal hunt, but not the way it used to be. Uh, We we drove the Japanese out of the Southern Ocean around Antarctica. It took 10 years, but, uh, you know, again, these things don't happen overnight.
0: Right. And and it just takes perseverance and and the dedication of you and your crew to to keep the pressure on these different entities so that they understand they can't just willy-nilly show up and start killing innocent Marine creatures uh, left and right.
1: That's true. We have to be persistent, have to be determined. Yeah.
0: So, Paul, uh, going forward, how can folks uh, support uh, the Captain Paul Watson Foundation?
1: Well, it's easy to find our website, which is Captain Paul Watson Foundation, and uh, of course we're available on uh, on social networks also. And uh, what we're really looking for is for people to become uh, monthly donors to the organization. And why that's important is that it gives us the security to uh, maintain the ships and uh, the and the operations, knowing that we have a set amount of funds coming in every month. And our monthly donor program is growing, but it's growing very slowly. I mean, it took me years to build up the monthly donor program for Sea Shepherd. But, of course, when they ousted me, they seized all those uh, assets. They seized all the vessels. They seized all the uh, uh, all the bequests that were there for us, uh, that were left for us. And mm-hmm. It was a hostile takeover uh, at which they... Uh, pretty much looted the the treasury. But uh, one of the things they didn't take from us was our determination and uh, our original objectives to continue to do what we've always done and not to compromise, not to sell out and
0: not to be corrupted. So Paul, what else is the foundation working on?
1: A couple other things that we're working on is uh, a team uh, working with Sea Shepherd France, which we're allied with, uh, in Mayotte, a little island between Madagascar and uh, Mozambique. And uh, they're working on the beaches every night to stop uh, the poaching of sea turtles, which is a real problem there. And they're making having quite a bit of success. We're working in the Amazon to protect the uh, bota, the river dolphins, and that's with uh, Sea Shepherd Brazil. Those are the two Sea Shepherd groups that that, uh, are staying true to uh, our original Uh, objectives and um, we're also uh, planning on intervening against the super trawlers the Dutch super trawlers operating off the coast of Ireland and France and that'll be probably in November be rough weather but uh, these are giant factory vessels which are just scouring everything out of the ocean last year uh, we were able to uh, document them dumping 150,000 blue whiting, which are uh, uh, just because they're not a target species. So they're just like a kilometers long rafts of dead fish floating on the ocean. So the bycatch from these uh, these things are enormous. We also able last year to get the French government to stop the killing of uh, dolphins by the French trawler fleet, which was a, a beautiful victory. And that made the fishermen mad, of course, but uh, a lot of dolphins have been uh, saved. Uh, uh, no, as a, as a result. So there's a lot of work to be done, but uh, you know, our priority, uh, my priority personally is we've got to stop Christian Lofson in Iceland and uh, we'll be doing all these other campaigns, but uh, my, my attention is mainly going to be focused on stopping this mad uh, modern day Captain Ahab.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and Paul, I, you know, I wish you and, and the crew the best of luck in in successfully shutting down Lofson. I think that would be, a tremendous accomplishment uh for the foundation and for all people that you know want to see whaling end. Thanks, Charlie. All right, thank you, Paul. I appreciate your time today. Okay, Bye. all right, have a good one. Bye. I want to thank Paul for his time today. I do have a couple of quick announcements. Uh first, Paul has a new book out called Hitman for the Kindness Club. If you'd like to pick up a copy of Paul's new book, you can go to shop.paulwatson.com. Uh, there you will also see the new logo that we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, uh, the Neptune's Pirates logo. Uh, if you'd like to pick up a hoodie or a t-shirt, uh, you can find that there. Also, I uh, just wanted to remind everybody that if you'd like to support the foundation and become a monthly donor, that is the best way to help uh, the ship operations folks know what kind of budget they have and help make repairs to their ship and help get ready for the next round of campaigns. So if you're able to do that, uh, I would highly encourage you to do that. This episode is brought to you by Dactylopterus Volatans.
1: If the oceans die, we die.